Don't panic, but our house is crawling with rats right now. This is the Launch Pod for Pomona Valley Church. I'm Meredith. That was Curtis. And it's true that our house is crawling with rats, but they are pet rats. Fluffball, whiskers, and tunnels, to be precise, the new pets that we just brought home last weekend. This is the launch pod for Pomona Valley Church. We are a getting started church that meets on Sunday afternoons for worship and a meal together. We're casual and simple and having a ton of fun launching a new church community. And here on this podcast, we've been sharing the messages that go along with our time when we gather together live. We're in a series right now called Finding Your Rhythm, where we're talking about how we can create a rhythm of life a joyful and sustainable way of following Jesus into the world. In addition to the sermons each week, we are including a podcast that has some ideas for some practices that might or might not fit into your rhythm as you create one. And our hope would be that this would give you a jumping off point for something you might experiment with, because we think a rhythm of life is cultivated by thinking through something that matches who you are and what's going on in your life right now and what you want when it comes to connecting with Jesus. This week, we talked about celebration and mourning, how the Bible tells us that we ought to celebrate, we ought to be joyful as we follow Jesus. But it also says and recognizes that there are things that need mourning in this life. There are things that aren't right. There's pain and there's suffering. And so we looked at those two seemingly opposed, but maybe not totally opposed ideas that following Jesus means mourning and it means celebration. And so when we consider that we need space for each, we have just three simple ideas that might help you practice each of these areas. You want to start with celebration or mourning? I think we should start with mourning. We actually started with mourning in the sermon as well, purposefully, because in some ways telling the truth about what's hard creates space for the things that are good. And also in the sermon was the idea of a psalm of lament being an important part of mourning. Yeah, we talked about how the psalms of lament create space for the sorrows that we have and give us a model for how we mourn. And that's actually our first idea for a practice, that on your own, you could read a psalm of lament and make it your own prayer. Two examples would be Psalm 31 or Psalm 13, memorable since the numbers are the same. Each of those are psalms of lament that you could pray. And let that be a way to express the hard and difficult things that you are experiencing and seeing around you and offer those to God. The exact words that show up in the psalm may or may not fit your experience, but I think the themes are pretty universal and can be really helpful. And one of the things that is particularly important, I think, about the Psalms of Lament is it gives us permission to be angry and to use really strong language. I think some of the Psalms of Lament use much more confrontational and stronger language towards God than a lot of us are comfortable using ourselves. Our second idea for a practice of mourning is to tell the story. And by that we mean a lot of us carry significant pain from a big T or little t trauma, something that went really wrong. And we hold on to that story and we don't always know what to do with it. We're not sure if we have someone we can tell or how they would receive that story, but carrying it alone makes our pain even worse. You might know that Curtis and I have twin daughters, Kate and Lucy, who were stillborn about a year before our son Riley was born. And one of the things that we experienced after they died was the chance to be with a lot of people who were also in mourning because of pregnancy loss. And we found one another 
members of a club that nobody really wants to have joined. And there was something incredibly important about telling the story. I remember once sitting over tea with a friend who had lost a baby and we each told our birth stories and we cried and there was something unique and hard and special about telling the story and having a space to say it out loud. If you don't happen to have a safe friend to tell the story to, one, that's worth mourning in and of itself and bringing to God. And two, it might be worth taking that story then to a professional or a therapist. It might be worth doing that whether or not you have a friend to tell the story to for that matter. But telling the story and giving space for the things you are mourning to be said aloud is an incredibly important practice. So the Psalms of Lament tell the story. And then our third idea for a practice on the mourning side is to read the news. There's any number of things to be mourned in the newspaper these days or on the internet. And sometimes I find myself just letting those things kind of scroll by as I as I scan through the headlines and not really think about or engage with the tragedies or the horrors that are represented by those headlines. And so I think one practice that could be uh, helpful for someone who is used to just kind of letting those things scroll by their eyes without any impact is to maybe open one of those stories and read it and then mourn over it, maybe with the Psalm of Lament, maybe in your own words, talk to God about um, what, what is wrong in that story, how it makes you feel, and maybe ask God to bring change and justice into that situation. Both in the practice of reading the Psalms of Lament and also in the practice of reading the news, there's a parallel opportunity to come to God and ask God for what you want to see and base that in who God is. That if God is a God who is faithful, just, kind, compassionate, then we grow in our ability to call upon God to be exactly that in these situations, whether they are the personal ones that we're lamenting or the regional and global ones that we're lamenting. So those are our three morning practices. I think one of the through lines in all of them is recognizing reality and telling the truth about reality to God, to ourselves. Um, and I think that that's really important as we follow Jesus. As we move over to the celebration side of things, I think these also are about telling the truth, though. The truth is not always hard and bad. There is a lot of good also. And the celebration practices are about noticing and experiencing those good things as well. In my sermon, I quoted Richard Foster, who talked about how we can cultivate joy when we fill our lives with simple good things and then thank God for them. So that's actually our first suggestion for a practice is to add a simple good thing to your week and then thank God for it. It could be any number of things. Personally, I really like Trader Joe's flowers. They fit in my budget at about $4 a bunch. And every time I see them, I find myself a little bit brightened by the beauty and the cheer of them. I like double doubles and Popeye's spicy chicken sandwiches. They're simple good things. And the idea would be that it fits your budget. Maybe it's the simple good thing of going for a walk or sitting in a favorite spot. But the idea is to intentionally add that thing in and then spend a minute in thankfulness for it. Just yesterday, we needed to register our younger son, Peyton, for kindergarten. And the district office is maybe half a mile down the street from where we live. And instead of hopping in the car, it was a nice sunny day out. And I decided to walk and just enjoy the sun and the quiet as I walked through our neighborhood. And that was a simple good thing that I could just choose to take a little bit longer 
um, to go do the registration process by walking instead of driving, but I got to experience something good and celebrate it as a, in the process. Our second idea for a practice of celebration is to go have fun. As grown-ups, I don't know that we always think about having fun. We don't think about play. Like, is that allowed? Of course it's allowed. We don't always think about play. I'm not sure Millers were allowed to go have fun. Mm. Well, I'm a Burns, and we have fun. <laughs> so we would suggest that you honestly stop to remember, what do you like to do for fun? Hopefully that answer comes to you pretty easily, but we know that that's not true for everybody. But just give yourself a minute to think about that. What do you like to do for fun? And is there any way to incorporate that sometime soon? Millers like to work to have fun, I think. No, you just work to work. Oh. Yeah. No, actual fun. You know, like Disneyland fun, beach fun, sit in the sun fun. But to think about a way to actually go play. That's going to look different for us as maybe grown-ups than it ever did when we were young. But it's valuable. There's something about enjoying ourselves or being silly or pursuing whimsy that reminds us that God has made a world to delight in. And it also reminds us that while we are off having fun, God is still God. And I mentioned this in the sermon that God is able to hold everything that is happening, whether or not we're sitting there fretting about it. And we can go play. It's a way to show that we trust God to be God, actually. So experience a simple good thing, go have fun. And then our last one is a little bit different, but it's to develop a breath prayer or memorize a verse that reminds you of the good things in the world, that reminds you of the good that is God's presence with you or God's love for you or some other uh, thing from scripture or from you know who God is that is meaningful to you and reminds you of the goodness of God and the goodness of creation. The campus pastor of my undergraduate school used to talk about how worship could be expanded if we just learned to say wow more than we do. And he would say wonder is rooted in deep reverence for the God who made all things. And so for him, he was trying to invite us to just, when we noticed a simple good thing, take the extra second to say wow. This isn't exactly a breath prayer, but functionally it's kind of similar. Uh, there was a point not too long after Peyton was born where um, it was just a hard time where we had to adjust to having two kids. And there was a lot that came with that that was not exactly the way, uh, well, not exactly what I was hoping for out of life in that season. And at some point in this season, I had I met someone, I don't even remember who exactly, but I was telling them a bit about my life. I had two sons and that we were doing this and that and we were working at this church. And, and the person's response was, wow, sounds like you're living the dream. And I think they may have meant it in more of just kind of a throwaway sort of way. But for some reason, it struck me and I thought about it some more. And in reflecting on it, realized that, oh, yeah, I have two sons who are healthy and a house that's nice in a nice neighborhood. And in any real sense of the word, I'm living the dream. I have everything that many people would dream of. I, I remember thinking there are probably literally billions of people who have lived in this world who would have given anything to have two healthy sons. And here I have it. And I'm complaining about the fact instead of remembering and reflecting on the goodness that I had. And so it kind of became a bit of a prayer of gratitude, I suppose, that I would just remind myself, I would say, live in the dream, 
every once in a while, just as a way of reminding myself and helping myself, helping call back myself to the reality, which is that there was a whole lot of good that I had been given. And in most ways that really matter, I, I really was living the dream. So if you find you need a practice of celebration, those would be our three ideas for where you might start. Add a simple good thing. Go play and have some fun. Or develop a breath prayer or memorize a single passage that helps you to respond with gratitude for the goodness around you and remember to credit God for that good thing. As we've said before, our hope with these supplemental podcasts is not that they would give you six new things to go and do, but that they would spark some ideas and that you might pick one, maybe two, to try out in the coming days and just see how they feel. They might be experiments that are incredibly successful and that you find you love something or you haven't done it before. They might be successful because you realize you just don't like it or it really just doesn't fit with your life right now. And that's great learning too. But the point of a rhythm of life is that it is a way for you to joyfully and sustainably do everyday life with Jesus and to have some habits and practices that help you cultivate your connection to Jesus and Jesus's purposes for you in the world. So maybe start by reflecting on if in this season you need to cultivate celebration or mourning or both, and then use that answer to direct you towards the one or maybe two practices that you might want to try or engage with this week. Thanks for listening today. We hope that this is helpful to you. If you are local in Southern California, we would love to see you on a Sunday at 4.30 in the afternoon for worship. Dinner is at 5.30, and you're welcome to come to either or both. If you're listening along from another place, we're so glad you're here as well. And until next time, we love you all. Bye. Bye.